show you're listening to Rayla Sports on the Voice America Network. I'm in Phoenix living like it matters and what matters to me, the combine is what matters to me. Uh, many times you've probably heard me here on this show uh, talk about the player networking event. Player networking event of course is uh, an event that's held annually at each Super Bowl is, is hosted, produced and put on by Guy Troop a former NFL executive uh, who owns a company called Troop 21. They're in the human capital business. Basically, he seeks out human beings uh, that have potential to become employees in corporate America, particularly those who have an athletic background, and he tries to match them up with career opportunities. And, uh, and for many, this happens a lot of times on college campuses. This happens across the country. There are career fairs all the time. Historically, athletes have not participated in career fairs when they are on campus. The athlete's career fair is what you call in the NFL the combine. You go there. They fly you there, of course. There's a certain number of players that are chosen from across the country, randomly chosen based upon their athletic ability or what is believed to be their athletic ability by the NFL teams their scouting department, and, and their coaches. And it gives them a chance to uh, meet them. In this particular case, it's uh, Indianapolis. In my case, it was in New York City. Um, and when you go there, you're on display. Now, keep in mind, you've been on display probably three years prior to that. In a couple high school years, some people might have noticed you then. But, you know, they've had a time to look at you, many years to look at you, and to watch you on tape and television. But for some reason, they think they need this special time with you to sit with you, to ask you some questions, to measure your, your height, your weight, uh, to see how high you jump, how fast you run, the, your agility, how strong you are, um, how you respond, what you look like. They want to try to get to know you. And this is a process that they call the combine. It, it's a difference, and it really is a difference maker in a person's life. I would say probably 85 to 90 percent of the guys that are invited to the combine, more than likely on draft day, will be drafted. If you are not invited to the combine, there's still an outside chance if you're eligible for the draft that you may be drafted. So just because you don't get invited to the draft, I mean, to the combine, that does not mean that you will not be drafted. But it does reduce your chances. But this is a significant event that, that took place the last few days and still a couple more days left. But I think I got my man uh, Willie Gibson with me in on the line. Willie, you there? Yes, sir. What's going on, Ray? Oh, man, not much, man. What's it looking like out there in, the, you know, the OHIO? Oh, it's love. Well, it's about 55, so no complaints. I'm believing, too, there was a little love that was being shared uh, at the Combine because I'm sure we had a couple guys that that participated from The Ohio State University uh, in the Combine. And as I said, that's a a life changer for a lot of people getting there to display their skill set. It is the career fair uh, for those athletes. But let me go back a little bit and, and change this. 
because I'm an advocate for those to understand that that is a, a short term work experience. It's not a career unless you end up right. coaching or scouting or something of that nature. But this is going to be an extension of your college experience to perhaps maybe to start getting some real money and get paid for doing the same thing you were doing in college and not earning any income. And you may do it, they say, on the average, you know, it's about three and a half, four years. Uh, right. So hopefully we've got a couple guys that are going to extend their playing days three and a half to four years and maybe even longer than that and make, you know, a decent amount of money. So um, yeah, have you heard anything about the guys from Columbus, Willow? Just uh, period, you know, your comments on, on the combine. Absolutely. Um, the uh, staying close to home and, and Ohio State first and foremost, uh, Denzel Ward, uh, number one defensive back in the draft, according to many uh, draft experts, ran a 4-3-2 in the 40 at uh, 5'11", 185. So by all accounts, again, number one cornerback in the draft, uh, checked a lot of boxes during his workout and made a lot of money probably a top 10 pick. And the crazy, and the interesting thing about that Ray, is he'll be the fourth Ohio state cornerback to go in the fourth in the first round in the last three years. Yeah. It, it's uh, one of those things. I'm extremely proud of the fact that we've been able to turn out some uh, defensive backs that have made significant impact in the league. Uh, many times I, I want people to understand there is a lot of hating going on around the country when it comes to the Ohio state university. It's not for what reason I really don't know because right. When the fellas make it to the next level, I mean, we're showing that we belong there. You know, we, we, you know, we, we woke up like this. You know, we just got it done. You know, so don't, don't hate. But uh, it's good to see the young fella going out there and, and doing what was expected of him. Uh, I do not think uh, – I'm trying to think of the uh, defensive back award uh, for the top defensive back in the country. Uh, Jim Thorpe. Jim Thorpe. Did, did, he, did he win that? No. No, he did not. Exactly. Did not. I, I I thought that was somebody else, but it's good to know yeah, that uh, that he that he did get a chance to get out and 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 for some reason there's a great emphasis on the forty time. I, I I think I know why. I mean because everybody says speed kills, and that was another thing too. Everybody talked about the fact that Ohio State players didn't you know uh, the Big Ten players didn't produce fast players, and then of course uh, you know we had to go back in the day and just let them know from the, you know Joey went out there and proved them wrong, <laughs> you know. Right. Uh, Joey showed up, and Eddie. and then uh, and then Eddie, and then also the young fella just passed away. Uh, we, t- you know, he had some speed that was unbelievable. Uh, so they started to believe it. Then Chris, Chris Carter just went to the league and told him, you know, all I do is score touchdowns. So you know, if you think I'm fast right. enough or not, you know, I'm getting it done. So uh, no, uh, I, I've been happy with uh, the way the young fellas have shown up and shown out and and earned their respect on the field. And even at the combine, when necessary, uh, they've done that as well. But certainly the combine is a situation where, again, it affects a young man's life tremendously. And uh, there are some um, – I just have a man on the show uh, before me, uh, Hurley Brown. I'm going to get down with Hurley Brown. I heard him uh, as, a clo- as the show was closing out. Uh, he was talking about um, – uh, a significant amount of players that I believe perhaps maybe either from the U, which is what Hurley uh, probably represents, or just from uh, Miami, period. Uh, there were right. a significant number of players, which I think Hurley was, was talking about. And uh, I'm always happy. You know, I think it's good for football whenever Miami is, is um, you know, got a team and a product that 
is uh, superior. If they're not, if they if they don't have a good football team, it's, it's just not good for um, for American football. I, I think for college football, I think when the U is in the picture, uh, they're a villain. Everybody hates you know on them just like they hate on Ohio State too. So they're a villain, right. and uh, they're one of those teams out there that people you know like to see them do well, but only so they can root against them. <laughs> you know, so that's kind of an oxymoron, but it's the reality. So, uh, but anyway. Um, you know, there was uh, the draft, uh, you know, was, uh, about to come up, obviously, you know, free agency, the franchise tag. I don't like the franchise tag. I'm going to tell you why. I love the fact no. that, first of all, when there's a franchise tag out there, if you're tagged, shout out to my man Kwame Lasseter back in the day, played safety here for the Arizona Cardinals, you know, has uh, uh, has that distinction of, of being identified as a player who was had the franchise tag on his back. Also, want to shout out to um, uh, to uh, to Wally Williams. W- Wally also had the franchise tag, you know, applied to him. Believe me, your pack, your pockets get real fat when you get that franchise tag on you. But at the same time, it's a situation, you know. And and I think, if I'm not mistaken, well, you and I talked about this a couple of weeks ago. You know, Roger Goodell had a problem. With Jerry Jones. And that's because Jerry right. was messing with his money. He had a right. problem with him that his that what he felt was right, maybe his true value of what he was worth to the league. Somebody was trying to disrupt that. But yet and still, we have a league where the players, you know, don't get a chance to get their full value and injuries can happen. I'm one of those guys. Shout out to Byron Evans, another one of those guys I know. You know, you go into the last year of your contract, you get seriously hurt. You don't get that money. And so here it is that, yes, Le'Veon Bell's got a tremendous opportunity to make a lot of money as a franchise tag player for the Pittsburgh Steelers for a second time in a row. Kirk Cousins, they, they didn't do it to him. But right. what it is is when you sign a well, multi-year no, no contract, then that— They, they, tied, they, tied, they tied Cousins twice. Yeah, they did, but I'm saying they didn't do it to him a third time. So, so he, right. you know, so those two times that he got that money, and he got good, real good money. But if either one of those times he would have went on and signed a long-term contract, the signing bonus would have been much bigger. The signing bonus could have even probably been what the salary exceeded what the salary, the guaranteed salary was for that year. And and that's what's happening to these players. And Roger wasn't even in the last year of his contract. And so it's a situation where, as again, here is the players who are the ones, they are the product, they are the ones who are putting the butts in the seats. But they're being penalized for just doing their job at the best of their ability, giving you everything that they got. And somehow or another, you're finding a way to penalize them. And, you know, God forbid, you know, I, I remember even the kid, the young kid that was at Notre Dame that came out and played in the game against Ohio State. He got hurt. He dropped in the draft tremendously. He went playing a bowl game, an insignificant game, but played in it anyway and got hurt, lost money. These things happen to players all the time. But it doesn't, those other people who, and again, in Roger's case, Roger's not really taking any risk because Roger is an employee. He's not an owner. He He really doesn't have a financial investment in this deal. But yet still, and Jerry is going to be penalized 
You know, I sent that text to you, you know, go a little easy on me, bro. But, hey, Roger's not going easy. on. It's going to cost him maybe $2 million. Right. Right. I don't think that I'd like to hear what you feel about that. You know, a player could be you could somehow prevent him from maximum gain. But an executive finds a way to get maximum gain and compensation. And then even I I don't know if you want to say if it was retaliation, but certainly then went after the owner that tried to hold it up and disrupt it as if it affected the business of the NFL and is going to find him two million dollars. Right. Maybe even well, a friend. I mean, maybe even a, a draft choice. I don't think a draft choice, but certainly two million dollars. No. What do you think about right. that? Will? Yeah. Yeah. As far as Jerry, um, that, they had that hearing today uh, in Palm Beach, Florida. They met for about an hour uh, to discuss that, that penalty. And the thing is, it's being reported that Goodell is finding him. That's really not the case. I mean, we talked about this earlier. Well, Roger's the face. You know, it's always the face. He's, he's the face. So it, it's that office right. that has that power and he's the executive in that office. Exactly. But that's the thing. You know, it's, it's sexy for the media to say the Dale's finding Jerry Jones. And in actuality, that's not the case. What the situation is, there's a rule on the books that says if you bring any litigation against fellow owners, you have to pay their legal fees. That's the issue that we're dealing with with Jerry Jones. He, if you recall, when the uh, Ezekiel Elliott suspension case was going ongoing, he threatened to sue his fellow owners. Threat. They lawyered up. They he, they lawyered up based on his threat. And now, because of that, that rule has been on the books for more than twenty years. He now has to pay the legal fees for the fellow owners. But but here, 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 here here's here's what I know, and 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 what I know is. Uh, you said they lowered up. They, they, their lawyers are on retainer. Their lawyers are there every day, twenty four seven. Certainly that, right? Certainly that. I mean, that's, I mean, that's a term. That so that language, use, so, yeah. So that language there, yeah. That there, that's a little play on words there. Even they, they're, they're, they're manipulating yeah. that to the public as well. And it, they didn't have to go out and you know bring in some special lawyers to you know to deal with this issue was going to be you know if indeed Jerry. But but the fact of the matter is, I don't know if it ever made to the court. Did he actually file the lawsuit? No, but again, based on the rule, he doesn't have to file it. He threatened litigation. The rule states if you threaten litigation against your fellow owners, you pay the legal fee. Okay, now, That's okay, now playing on playing on words. What's the threat? What's the threat? He said it. He said it. Um, I'm suing you guys if my guy gets suspended. Now his guy got suspended and he backed off that threat. Did not follow through, but he said it. If my guy gets suspended, I'm suing the league. Okay, it. like you said, he said if he said it, if that if that's is that's if that's perceived to be a threat, just like you know some other things, you know the perception is reality. Then then we got to roll with it. What we got to roll with now is a commercial break. So we're gonna take a break. We'll be right back. You listen to Rail the Sports on the Voice America Network. It's Phoenix Living Like a Matter. We'll be right back. Internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. 
So Andy Serling packed his bags, left the city, and is enjoying his temporary digs in Saratoga. But that won't stop us from bringing you Playing to Win, the best online handicapping show for serious horse players. Catch Andy and his great lineup of guests every week throughout the month of August on location from the beautiful Saratoga Racecourse. He and his guests are some of the best in the biz. They bring you new insights to making money, and they tell it like it is. I'm 3-5-1 in this race, but the 3 is very much the one to beat. We're going to completely disagree on this race. I absolutely despise her, especially at 1-2. And it's anything but the same old horse racing show. This is a nine-horse field, but really there are seven donkeys and two zebras. Playing to Win with Andy Serling, a show seriously committed to making more money at the game, but with a personality. This is a dunce cap horse for me. If this horse wins, next week I got the dunce cap on. YouBet.com's Playing to Win, presented by the Daily Racing Forum. Look for it the day before big race days, mostly Fridays. Find a complete schedule in the Daily Racing Forum or click on Playing to Win at YouBet.com. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings of the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our wall. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. All right, you hear the music, you know the show. You're listening to Ray Ellis Sports on the Voice America Network. I'm in Phoenix, living like a man. It's got my man Willie Gibson out there in the OHIO on with me. And, of course, we're talking about one of Willie's favorite people, and that is, of course, Jerry Jones. And, uh, you know, hey, Jerry, listen, if you are the biggest man in pro sports, your franchise is valued at $4 billion. You you beyond everybody else. You sitting up on the, the, you know, the top of the mountain. You're at the mountaintop. And you think you can say what you want to say and do what you want to do. Uh, but you hired a man who is really your boss. And uh, that man said what, what you said is detrimental to this league. Uh, you threatened to sue us. Um, so um, according to what Willie says, then that, that is the law. And uh, that's going to cost you a couple million dollars. Uh, let, let's think about this. You know, going into uh, next year's season and, and forward, Willie, how do you think the relationship is between those two men uh, in the room together? When, when all the other 32 owners are there and, and Roger's in the room with them, do you think there's a little tension between him and Jerry in the room? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. We're talking billions and millions and billions of dollars. Who's, who's, what animosity intention is involved when it's millions and billions. I, you know, I, I, w- I would like to think that regardless of uh, what the dollar amount is, I still think that those, uh, you know, we, we always say things about certain people that are wealthy, that have money. There's certain habits that they have, and that's why they, be, that's why they become rich and wealthy. And we're talking about men that are wealthy, not rich. I mean, even Roger Goodell is wealthy. Roger is, you can spend rich. You can't spend wealth. You pass wealth on generations and generations. That's why, you know, teams uh, uh, are inherited by their families and, and things of that nature. But certainly, I would think that there's something um, or, or, or a little bit of tension in the air just because of the fact that, again, he's going against the grain. And this is somebody that agreed to employ you. And, uh, you know, and now all of a sudden, it, you know, it's, it's the opposite. And 
you the boss and, and he's not the boss, you know. So I, I would think that there's some tension. I, I recall uh, being on the plane when uh, when Coach Hayes got fired and our athletic director had to fire Woody. And, of course, Woody has, was the one that, that hired him at The Ohio State University. And, and it was really uncomfortable. You know, it, it was it was tension. Uh, we all felt it. We knew there was something going on. And you could just feel, when tension's in there, you could feel it. And so, I, I you know, many times you've seen through the media, you've seen Roger and Jerry having conversations. And, and, and it, it, it seems as if, you know, somehow or another, and I'm sure other owners probably don't like this, that it's almost like Jerry Jones at times becomes the face of the National Football League, and that is not what they want. And, sure. and, and, sure. so, and so because of that, uh, I believe, uh, and his franchise is the most valued franchise in the National Football League and in the world of sports, I believe. I don't think there's another franchise that's worth more than four. Oh, there may be one of those soccer teams, maybe. Maybe some soccer teams. Yes, but Europe. certainly here yeah. in, in, the, uh, in the United States of America, he, he is the man – and, and I think that could, you know, cause problems at times. But uh, and I think Jerry's been good. He's been good. You know, you've heard me say him many times, you know, uh, there are some things uh, I find myself on Jerry's side. And there's other times I find myself, you know, on the other side. You know, Jerry, of course, got a little ball player in him himself. Uh, sure. and, and sometimes, you know, he feels like the athlete and other times he feels like um, uh, he's the owner and um and I think that because of that, there's tension in the room at times when uh, Roger's trying to get the job done. But uh, certainly there's some other things that's happening in, in the National Football League. And, and Kirk Cousins uh, looks like he did not get tagged. Uh, do you think uh, that he would entertain an offer if Cleveland decided to reach out to him? No. We keep talking about that and that because nothing's happened as of yet. But you're saying just flat out, no, wouldn't even consider, wouldn't take the call. No. No. Wow. If you listen to what he's saying, he's saying I'm all about winning right now. This team is one in thirty-one over the last two years, and unfortunately, Cleveland got to eat this for a while. They're well, one in thirty-one, and they they got to they got to deal with that. They got to deal with that right now. Well, I, I agree. So, I, I agree. I agree with that. I agree with that. But this is a man that's talking about winning. What has he won? He hasn't, and then that's it. That's exactly it. He has it. However, he wants to put himself in a position to. When and he's 29 years old, this may very well be, potentially, could be his last contract. So if I have the option to sign with uh, Cleveland or I have an option to sign with the Minnesota Vikings, all things being equal, Minnesota has a ready-made team. This came off an NFC Championship game appearance. All things being equal, I'm going with Minnesota because I want to win. Uh, I would say this um, in contrast to what you're saying. In my opinion, all things are not equal with him in Minnesota because I'm not so sure. If I'm in Minnesota, uh, he's not my starting quarterback. He's not your starting quarterback. No, no. They don't have a quarterback under under contract right now. Well, so yeah, but they, but yeah, but what I'm saying is Casey Keenum. Why can't you just sign him? Case Keenum. Yeah, Case Keenum. Yeah, here's why. I mean, obviously, and this is what I've learned in, in doing this. Uh, we have opinions, and, and I'm, I'm not, you know, from not from me speaking for me. I have opinions from the outside looking in. Mike Zimmer, Rick Spielman, Pat Shermer, who's no longer there, offensive coordinator. They saw Case Keenum every day in that building. Who, at that point, 
if they feel that they can upgrade that position, you know, that's what Case Keenan in seven years, he was a journeyman. He fell into the right situation. So how do I know he can replicate that? Well, and again, to, to, to your point, I'm sure you're going to counter with, how do I know Kirk Cousins can do that? That's exactly right. He's, he, he's, done, he's, done, he's done more and better than what, what, what Cousins has done. Or what's, again, there's, I'm, you, I'm, you, you, you take the guess out of that. It's, it's the difference in knowing something and guessing something. And, and this is a man who's been in your system, knows your system. You don't have to teach him your system. You know what is, you know, the chemistry of the locker room and, and the relationship between him and the players and the coaches. Uh, to me, I, I just and, – and here's a man that you're talking about, you know, why, why would – you know, the Redskins couldn't even commit to him. And he's, and he's been there with them, and they put two franchise tags on him. They didn't, they didn't commit to him, and they wouldn't have let him walk out the door. Th- today, they said go. So and, – and, and you've got a team that, you know, you just, you know, a, a, a player two away from a Super Bowl, really? And you want to, you know, start off with another quarterback? To me, I, I just, I don't, I, I don't get, I don't get that one. I, I really don't get that one. Um, you know, nor do I get, you know, letting Foles walk out the building. But it looks like the Eagles are going to do that too. But, but the Eagles might be able to pull something off. But, but here's what I'm going to say is I don't know what the Eagles, whatever they're able to pull off. You know, I'm always into, you know, position production. So what are you going to get in the house that's going to give you the kind of production that you got from that individual? I, I, I don't. You got him. I don't see. It. You got him, Carson Wentz. Yeah, yeah well, Carson Wentz before he got hurt, Carson Wentz was the MVP of the league. Yeah, yeah, before he got hurt, but he got hurt. There's there's a difference in before you get hurt and then after you get hurt. And they don't know what the after effect is going to be, and and so all I'm all I'm saying is that you got a man, you know what he can do. You know why risk it on a on a on a maybe, and so I and again if 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 the Eagles let go of Nick, you know I think what they're going to do is they're going to try to bring something else in at another position. They're not going to try to bring in another quarterback. They're not going to you know you know trade the pick away. I mean trade the man away and then just bring in another quarterback. They're going to try to go in another position. Is the other position going to contribute to you? And bringing the value in that position that he gave you, I, I just don't know that. And so that I mean well, that, you know that that that's a challenge a lot of times when you when you got a pick, you know when that person when you bring that person in, there's a there's contribution to the team that you expect production from that person. Where, where is that? Where what, what position is that going to be for the Eagles that they're hurting that they need to bring somebody in that's going to contribute like he contributed? Where is that at? Well, I, th- I don't think that the trade would be made for today or tomorrow. I think if they get that, let's say, use example, uh, let's use the Cleveland Browns. Let's say they put number four on the table, the fourth overall pick for uh, Nick Foles. Now, reports are they want more than the first and the fourth round pick they got from Minnesota for for Sam Bradford. Exactly. So, somebody threw out there that uh, somebody offered them a second round pick. <laughs> I haven't confirmed this. It was I've heard it was an AFC team, and I tried tremendously to confirm this. I wouldn't I wouldn't be surprised if that was Cleveland. That Cleveland offered them thirty three or thirty five. Well, I I would say this. I I would say there's a reason why the team that that reported it the way they did reported it as an AFC team and not by a team because that they they don't they don't want to become the the joke of of this off season because that's a joke. 
Yeah, nobody knows. Yeah, they don't. Nobody wants to be uh, reported as as failing a, a, an attempt to get the trade done. So yeah, I, I can definitely see that. But I definitely feel that. I mean, Kirk. I mean, Nick Foles rather it's a small sample size. It's a small sample size. He yes, he was in Philly before Chip Kelly, twenty-seven touchdowns, two picks. He went to the Pro Bowl. He left. He went to the Rams. Him and Case Keenum, ironically enough, didn't do much there. Went to Kansas City, was the backup to Alex Smith. With Doug Peterson, Doug Peterson comes to Philly, brings him along. So, I mean, can, I can argue that Nick Foles is a system quarterback. Without Doug Peterson, how do I know he's going to be successful? And he did it in three games. No, he did it, so, with, he did it when Doug was, uh, was there in Philly. Right. Exactly. That wasn't three. Ga- that that, that was that wasn't three games when when Andy was there and Doug was there. That was more than three games. Well, no, Nick Foles was there when he when he started. It was under Chip Kelly when he threw for twenty seven. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Chip. I'm sorry. You're exactly right. My mistake there. That's what I'm saying. But he was there and Doug was there. Not not with Chip. Doug was. Like you said Doug. Doug was with Andy. With Andy in Kansas, Kansas City. City. My bad. Yeah. Backed up. No, you good. I stand corrected. So that's so that's the thing. I mean, I can argue. How do I know, how do I know Nick Foles can replicate that performance? Well, one thing about it, when you when, when whenever you you talk about the system, the bottom line is even when when people talk about systems, receivers still got to run pass patterns, quarterbacks still got to throw the ball, they got to make the reads and all that. So, you know, systems are one thing, but still, you know, quarterbacking is it's about accuracy. You got to be able to throw that ball, you make your read, whatever you got to do, but you got to throw that ball accurately. And if you can't throw the ball, I don't care what kind of system you have. If it's not handing it off you to a great running back, you're not going to win no games. So he, he still had to – you could put the system in. He still has to throw the ball. And he became a better passer and a better decision maker when, th- this year than he, than he had played – than he had performed in the past. Hey, listen, we got to take this break. So we're going to take a break and then we're going to come back. You listen to Rail of Sports on the Voice America Network. And Phoenix Living Like a Magic. We'll be right back. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. So Andy Serling packed his bags, left the city, and is enjoying his temporary digs in Saratoga. But that won't stop us from bringing you Playing to Win, the best online handicapping show for serious horse players. Catch Andy and his great lineup of guests every week throughout the month of August on location from the beautiful Saratoga Racecourse. He and his guests are some of the best in the biz. They bring you new insights to making money, and they tell it like it is. I'm 3-5-1 in this race, but the 3 is very much the one to beat. We're going to completely disagree on this race. I absolutely disagree. Spicer, especially at one to two. And it's anything but the same old horse racing show. This is a nine horse field, but really there are seven donkeys and two zebras. Playing to win with Andy Serling, a show seriously committed to making more money at the game, but with a personality. This is a dunce cap horse for me. If this horse wins next week, I got the dunce cap on. YouBet.com's Playing to Win, presented by the Daily Racing Forum. Look for it the day before big race days, mostly Fridays. Find a complete schedule in the Daily Racing Forum or click on Playing to Win at YouBet.com. If you're looking for more information on firearms and the shooting sports, check out Taking Stock with Kelly McMillan. Kelly is the owner of McMillan Fiberglass Stocks with over 40 years of experience. Now he's ready to share some industry luminaries and their perspectives with you. If you're interested in firearms, whether it be for shooting, for fun, competition, hunting, or self-defense, Kelly is here to share his wisdom and experience. Listen live for Taking Stock with Kelly McMillan, Fridays at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. 
p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. Do you love sports talk? Can't get enough sports talk? Have we got a show for you. It's about the NFL training camps, Super Bowl previews, a look at the new starting quarterbacks, and weekly key injuries. We'll take your calls and emails right on the air. Former Philadelphia Eagle James Loving is your host, and you never know who'll drop by for a co-host spot or an interview on the spot. Tune in to Loving That Sports Talk with James Loving every Wednesday at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. Your internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. Right, you hear the music, you know the show. You're listening to Ray Ellis Sports on the Voice America Network. I'm in Phoenix, living like it matters. Uh, what matters to me, NFL Combine is a career fair opportunity for young men in colleges and universities across the United States of America to go and perform to the best of their ability with hopes that they would be chosen in the NFL draft of 2018. And a great percentage of those that attend the Combine will be drafted in either rounds one through seven. And if you're not, you can still pray and hope that you get a free agent contract and uh, you get a chance to still try for the National Football League, you know, and it's, uh, uh, as a person who got an opportunity to do that, I I could say it's a life-changing moment. Uh, It is truly a blessing. Uh, It's uh, something you'll never forget for the rest of your life, you know, I was happy. I, I I was so happy to call my mother and tell her that I got drafted back then. Of course, we didn't have the draft was not on television. It had not been commercialized, um, but uh, it now is on and uh, great opportunity. So so Willie, let's. Uh, uh, we were talking about free agency because after you get into the National Football League, for those out there who don't know what the hell we're talking about, for some reason, you know, you're just not in, on the universe. Uh, you know, the fact of the matter is. Uh, there's another thing out there, too, that's called free agency, and along with free agency is a franchise tag, and a franchise tag is a tag of which the National Football League can, you know, slap on a person who is a member of an NFL team of which uh, they tried to negotiate a contract with them. They're in the last year of their contract. They really don't have a contract, but they made an attempt to negotiate fairly or unfairly we're not able to come to a resolve where both people are happy, but the team is allowed to tag that person. And I think, if I'm not mistaken, that means at the position that person paid, they must be paid within the top four or five of the earners of that position. And so in most cases, yeah. that's a lot of money. That's a lot of, ze- a lot of zeros. Have the top five players at that position, yes, sir. Yes, a lot of zeros, a lot, a lot, a lot of zeros. Can change your life. Listen. In today's generation of players, if the players, based upon where they are right now in their life, meaning they are in college, they are unemployed, they are not earning any income, if you then make it to the National Football League and find yourself in a position where you are a franchise-tagged player, if you know how to manage your money and you are wise, you probably could live off that money for the rest of your life because, it's a, like I said, it's a lot of zeros. Probably on average, a franchise tag person is not going to get less than probably $10 million. 
and you know, if you're yeah, the top four, your position it's about ten million dollars. So ten million dollars provided, you know, that you're not uh, spending a million dollars a day, <laughs> you know, or uh, or a couple million dollars a day, you you should be okay. Don't know if that's going to happen. Right. There's been billionaires that have gone broke. Uh, not that these players are going broke, because I, I don't even like. I remember when that came out. I did not like that. Uh, no, yeah. no, thirty for thirty. Okay. No, no, I, I, I didn't like that because I, I, I didn't like the way in which it was done. I thought it was, it was not a well done piece. Uh, wasn't I? Don't think it was you know researched uh, in such a way that, um, what it should have highlighted on, or what it, what it should have brought out, uh, is the predators that's out here in this industry of sports. And like LeBron said the other day, you know, NC2A is corrupt. You know, there's a lot of corruption around sports. You know, if you look at it and, and, and you're able to get in on the other side of things. And, uh, you know, it's, but it's, again, it's, it's, it's the interpretation of, of, of the words, of the business, how you look at it. You know, uh, we got, uh, you know, we got labor laws, but, uh, you know, how can you say that a person is doing the same thing that another person is doing and one makes billions and the others make zero? And I'm talking about the NBA and the NFL and the NC2A. You know, how can somebody perform the exact same job and one person get paid nothing and somebody else get paid this? And by the way, I'm going to take the time to say this. And I think, well, I think I, you and I may have touched on this a little bit. But I, by no means do I mean any disrespect to anybody who is working in this capacity whatsoever. But I, I, I want to just share this, that just about every high school and every college and every professional facility that's used by athletes, high school, college, and pros, there are people that are custodians that work in these facilities. At the college level, I just want you to paint this picture now, those listeners out there. And by the way, 888-346-9144. If I say something that triggers you to want to call me and comment on what I'm saying, you can do that. 888-346-9144. I'm about to explain a scenario to you that one of my dear friends I used to play ball with, uh, he and I just had a conversation about this the other day because he became and he was a college university employee. Okay. He also was a former professional athlete, but he just... affirmed and confirmed that this is true. At many colleges and universities across the country, certainly at Division I schools, there are people who may be employed as a custodian. They assist in the maintenance of the stadiums and the arenas. They are paid employees as a benefit those employees get to go to college and their children get to go to the university of which they work for at no cost. Think about the contribution that that person who is a custodian makes to that university and the money that comes in. If he works at the basketball court, they make millions and billions of dollars. What's his contribution? He's making sure the place is pristine clean, he or she. That it's there's trash all over the place. That they, it's, it's, the heating and cooling systems are working correctly. Now, just 
think about what that person makes and think about the fact that that person gets an education. If he wants to go or she wants to go to college and get a degree, they can do that at no cost. It's an employee benefit. They're children at no cost as an employee benefit. Now, let's look at the athlete that plays basketball in that arena or on that football field that that person plays football, their education, they don't have to pull money out of their pocket for their education, but they don't get paid. And then think about what they do and what, how much that contributes to the millions and billions that come into the university. It's them on the field in the courts that people are coming there to see and watching on TV. But they don't get, so the, 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 the compensation, they don't get it. The, the custodial person, they may make $30,000, $40,000, $50,000 a year. I, I don't know. But they get that plus the education for them and their children. The student athlete doesn't get that. He doesn't get that money. He gets the education for him only, not for his offspring or for his brother, sister, mother, father, dad, cousins, none of that. I just don't think that's right. And so, again, it's, again, you know, how do you interpret the words that you use in this corrupt system? Something isn't right at times. Here's a person who makes the determination of, how this league is run, he's the executive office officer, and, and, and you can't dictate how he's going to be compensated and when he's going to be compensated. And if you're an owner and you disagree with it, you know, hey, you think the only way I can stop this is to threaten a lawsuit? Hey, you can't do that because if you do, it's already in the contract. You're going to be fined. Can't do that. So you got a Le'Veon Bell, and we know the contribution he makes to the Pittsburgh Steelers, but nope, they choose that we don't want to pay you any more than this this year. And there's nothing you can do. You can't even go play for another team. Now, is he going to set out and miss $14 million this year? No, no, no. Think about they did up. They made him an offer. They negotiated, and they still will continue. No, they made no, no. Here's what they did. They they made him offer. They negotiated, but in his mind, it wasn't what his value was in the open market. Mm-hmm. He felt in the open market, he would he would could get more. They didn't, but they didn't give him a chance to see if he could get more in the open market because they put that tag on him. That prevents well, him I to think, shop himself in yeah, the open I, market. I, I see your point. I see your point, but also, and I can and. I think Le'Veon is not the best example, and this is why. Because he's a running back, and, and for whatever reason, the last 10 to 20 years, the running back position has been devalued in the NFL. But then so, why not let the man go and see what he could get on the open market? You know what? That's, it's a, you know what? That's a great point. Why, why not let him go to see what he can get on the open market? Because he, why, he doesn't have to sign the tag. He doesn't have to have Yeah, exactly. He doesn't have to he doesn't have to tech, but you you reflect his ability to work. He can't he can't go any other any other league and get this kind of money, so he's gotta stay here. So if you don't sign the tag, you're saying how foolish is that to walk away from fourteen million dollars? Exactly. Right. Okay, okay, so what I'm saying is why not not put the tag on me, let me see what I can get in the open market. I might end up having to come back and play for you. But when you put the tag on me, you take away any option I have to shop to see if somebody else is willing to pay more for that. And beyond that, they like they did to Kirk Cousins the last couple of years. This year, they did not do it to him. So now he has the right to go out into the free market to see what it, you know what his chances are and to see if he's going to get more money, which he probably is. Right. 
And so, if, if the, the point, the, the tag, the tag doesn't prevent other you still talking to other teams. If you don't sign it, teams can still make an offer. The, the teams can. They would have uh, the compensation that the Steelers at that point. Yeah, they, they have, and they have to exceed what the Steelers offer him. Am I correct? No, they don't have to. Who was? I mean, I mean, why would you? Why, why would you do that? If, if it's not, I'm not going to sign. If it's not more than what they offer me, I'm not going to sign that. There, there lies the issue, right? right. There exactly. Lies the issue. It, said it still would have to be a contract that's you know. But hey, but if he but but if he doesn't if they offer him that tag and he doesn't sign that tag, I don't think he has the right to go someplace else and play. If they offer, if they put the tag, that's what the per, the tag is to protect him, to protect the team. He can't just go exactly. someplace else. Exactly. So he has to exactly. so he has to sign the tag. Or sit out. The, the tag, that's just it, uh, right? The, the tag is put in place to protect the team. Exactly. Not the player. Not the player. Right. Well, well, it does protect the player because the player is getting fourteen and a half million dollars guaranteed. He's getting the average salary but the, of the top five players in this position. But guaranteed. he's. But he's, he's. But he's. Yeah. But he may be the best player, and he may be able to get more than the number one guy out there. We're going to take a break. Got to come back. Rayella Sports on the Voice America Network. And finish Leaving Like It Matters. We'll be right back. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. So Andy Serling packed his bags, left the city, and is enjoying his temporary digs in Saratoga. But that won't stop us from bringing you Playing to Win, the best online handicapping show for serious horse players. Catch Andy and his great lineup of guests every week throughout the month of August on location from the beautiful Saratoga Racecourse. He and his guests are some of the best in the biz. They bring you new insights to making money, and they tell it like it is. I'm 3-5-1 in this race, but the three is very much the one to beat. We're going to completely disagree on this race. I absolutely disagree. Spicer, especially at one to two. And it's anything but the same old horse racing show. This is a nine horse field, but really there are seven donkeys and two zebras. Playing to win with Andy Serling, a show seriously committed to making more money at the game, but with a personality. This is a dunce cap horse for me. If this horse wins next week, I got the dunce cap on. YouBet.com's Playing to Win, presented by the Daily Racing Forum. Look for it the day before big race days, mostly Fridays. Find a complete schedule in the Daily Racing Forum or click on Playing to Win at YouBet.com. Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24-7. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. All right, you're the music, you know the show. It's the Rail of Sports on the Voice America Network. I'm in Phoenix Living Like It Matters. I wanted to continue to talk about Le'Veon Bell and the franchise tag and, and, and the interpretation of what the tag actually means to the team and to the player. Uh, but we we got to move on because there's something that's extremely important to me that I want to talk about. And it's always uh, important to me whenever there's health issues out there related to players. And I'm switching sports now. We're going to go to the NBA uh, and to, of course, my favorite team, the Cleveland Cavaliers. And uh, we're going to show some love to my man, Kevin Love, uh, because it's my understanding that uh, Kevin's acknowledged the fact that uh, that he's uh, has an illness uh, that's affecting him, and uh, has affected him, and he he's brought it to the public to acknowledge it. I I've, I've, I always say these things to people that you know. At times, I think 
people forget that athletes are human as well. And there was a time, you know, one of the favorite stories I like to tell is back in the day when Randall Cunningham's wife was uh, pregnant. There was a chance that uh, she was perhaps maybe going to deliver during the game. And uh, Randall said that if his if his wife, you know, went into labor, he was going to the hospital with his wife. And there were fans out there that, you know, that could not believe that he was going to do that. You know, it's like, really? Are you serious? I mean, it's about life and death. This is life. You know, he's going there to experience that to support his wife. You know, are you are you really serious that you think the man should go play the football game instead of going to the hospital with his wife? But um, but Willie, again, um, I think you and I, something we, we talked about, you know, you know, pre-show and, and said we wanted to talk a little bit about Kevin Love. Uh, you want to touch on a little bit? Absolutely. Um, first things first, uh, I commend him for speaking out and, and being transparent and showing extreme immense strength to to discuss, you know, as you said, uh, athletes are our athletes are people too. A lot of times we have this mythical thought of what our athletes are. You know, they're and, he, and even he, I'm not sure if he had a chance to read the piece, he talked about that where, you know, I'm a, I play basketball. I'm not supposed to have these issues. I don't have to, you know, talk about anything I'm dealing with. I just go out there and play. Shut up and, and shut up and dribble, right? Yeah, well, but an, 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 another aspect, just another way, you know, another, you know, right. defining. You keep chipping away, and eventually you'll get to this aspect of again. You're just supposed to set, shut up and play and dribble, right? So he, he talks about that, but again, for him to, to disclose, you know, what he's been dealing with, and he, and he said it, and he said it several times in the piece. You never know what everybody. You just don't. I mean, you know, to bring it. Uh, close to home and not necessarily not athletics, but unfortunately, um, on, on my job, I had a young lady that I worked with. I knew her uh, casually, didn't know her uh, extremely well, but uh, last Tuesday night took her life. And you just and then when I read that, that's the first thing I thought of is you just never ever know what people are dealing with. Wow. You know, 32 years old, um, knew her casually again, but you know, you just never know. You know, ha- maybe had I said something or had an opportunity to cross paths with her one last time, you know, maybe that word would have have encouraged her. But so it's just a wake up call for for everyone else to you know just be a little more uh, compassionate towards athletes, towards people in general. Because again, you you know everybody you know is dealing with something. You just never know you know, what your encouraging word could could mean to someone at, at, at that point in time. Yeah, it, it kind of, you know, takes me back a little bit. I, I remember uh, last year, I believe it was, I'm not mistaken, um, of course, I, Isaiah Thomas was dealing with a situation where his sister uh, had lost her life, I believe it was, and, uh, you know, and emotionally he jumped right back into playing. You know, I, I, I recall when I was in Cleveland uh, that I lost my grandfather. You know, he was... Uh, you know, my hero, he was the man I looked up to. I was born and raised by my mom alone by herself, a single family home. And so my grandfather was the, the, the strength of the family that I looked up to. And uh, he wasn't a real big football fan. Let me say that. I, I thought if my grandfather went to any games. I don't recall coming out of any game and seeing my grandfather there. Of course, in Canton, Ohio, there was Camp McKinley High School. When I went to Ohio State, he, he didn't come down to Ohio State. And then when I was there back playing for Cleveland, he, he didn't come to any of the Browns game. He was a golfer, you know. Uh, he enjoyed right. golf. He would watch golf on television on, on Sundays and not football. Uh, but it was one of those things where emotionally, man, I was 
I was broken up. I, I was broken up, but I had to concentrate. Even, you know, it was a situation where his wasn't uh, something that just came out of nowhere. For for a period of time, he was not healthy. And so gradually right. he passed away. And so, I, you know, I'm dealing with it on a regular basis. I go down to Canton during the, you know, my off day off and, and uh, see him and check on him or talk to him. Or my mom then would give me an update. And so it's just those type of things that you just never know emotionally, you know, how people are dealing with things. And then when it's a, a, a mental illness or uh, something of that nature, and, and I forget exactly, Kevin's was, how did he, uh, his diagnosis was exactly? He, he, he had a panic attack during the game. Panic attack, yeah. And, and it's a situation. Now, I don't know. Now, here's what I would say. I, I remember Kevin Love left the bench early in the season and I left a game and left the bench and, and didn't return. And did he, did he tell, did he, did he acknowledge what game this was when he had this panic attack? Right. Well, um, he, it was November 5th against the Hawks. Now with the, the scenario you're referencing, it was uh, in January against uh, OKC. He was uh, physically ill. Yeah. But, but again, yeah. See, but, but yeah. again, w- you know, certain things could bring on certain other things and, and emotions and reactions and and responses in such a way that we really don't we don't know, you know. But uh, uh, the, the the former running back, I mean, wide receiver for the Chicago Bears, when he came out with his diagnosis, uh, I just can't think of his name right now. Slips in my mind. Um, oh, gosh. Uh, wide receiver for the for the Bears who since left the Bears. Um but he came, he acknowledged the fact that he had some issues years ago. And uh, I, I wouldn't doubt that there is a couple other guys um, that have issues that uh, they've been, again, uh, Kevin Love has been examined physically uh, by some great doctors. And so it's probably something that is probably somewhere dictated inside his medical records uh, that teams have been aware of this in some capacity, maybe not teammates. But the team, and they've done a good job of, you know, you know allowing him to have uh, his privacy. Uh, but there was something that, you know, he decided it was time for him to talk about it. And, you know, and it could be that anxiety could be becoming, you know, even more prevalent that now there's going to be a lot of pressure on this team this year because this is one year where with the Cavaliers, uh, it's a little different than some other years. And, and I, I would think that right now, you know, a person that I think that, you know, that I'm looking for more contributions that could really help the success of this team would be Kevin Love. Kevin Love's numbers are drastically down compared to what they were when he first came to the Cavaliers. He's never, you know, performed the way he did, I think, with Minnesota. Is that where he came from? Where did Kevin come from? He, he did come from Minnesota, yeah. but to that point, right? Um, he was the man in Minnesota. There was no one else around him, so he could give you 26 and 13. In Cleveland, he's giving you 20 and 10. I mean, there's a man named James. Yeah, I understand but that, but what I'm saying is, I don't. Yeah. We don't even, you know, what he what he can give us needs to be seen. What 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 Russell Westbrook can give you is actually is visual. You can see that. You can see that. I don't see that talent that Kevin once displayed on the court anywhere. It's like this is you know he's just a fraction of the man that he was. You know, it's not. You don't even no, look. I, look I, don't, I don't. I don't see that. I don't see that. I disagree. I, yeah, I haven't it, seen it. But here's why. Yeah, here's why though. It's a different role. You know, Russell Westbrook is the unquestioned leader of the Oklahoma City Thunder. So he's going to be. LeBron James is the unquestioned leader 
of not only the Cleveland Cavaliers, but some would venture to say the league. So Kevin Love, his his role has changed. He doesn't he, he doesn't have the opportunity now in spurts. And, well, and Pockets, yeah, he can, he can give you that 26, 13, and he can still do it. It's just that his role on this particular team calls for him to do something different. Well, I, mean I, 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 I agree that we'll, we'll disagree on that one because I, I'm just saying in terms of display. I don't see, you know, a great athlete – you see a great athlete. You know, he don't have to play a whole game. He could just do a couple things. You're like, wow, ooh, wow. You know, so, and I haven't seen that ooh, wow from Kevin Love. But as always, uh, time is uh, running out on us, so we're going to have to end this show today. Thank you all for listening. You've been listening to Rail of Sports on the Voice America Network. I'm in Phoenix living like a matters, and I'll see you next time, which will be the best time. <laughs> Thank you for spending this hour with Ray Ellis Sports. We hope that you've enjoyed today's conversation. For more information and to write Ray, visit RayEllisSports.com. That's RayEllisSports.com. Be sure to join us again next Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time, 4 p.m. Eastern, right here on the Voice America Sports Channel.